Hello, and welcome to CFRI CF Community Voices. I'm Siri Vaith, Executive Director of the Cystic Fibrosis Research Institute, or CFRI, and it is my honor to welcome our panelists and attendees to this discussion on parenting and cystic fibrosis. This is a continuation of a panel that was held at CFRI's recent National CF Education Conference. Time was too short and there was no time to answer questions. So we are very grateful to Mary Helmers, Carl Robinson and Matt Defina for returning to share their stories and responding to those questions, which we did keep, we gathered and kept. Um, but that does not mean that that is, that is all that can be asked. If anybody attending has questions, feel free to put them in the Q&A box. I wanna thank our sponsors, our CF Community Voice sponsors, Vertex Pharmaceuticals, Gilead Sciences, Beatrice, Kiesi USA, and Genentech, whose support has made this podcast possible. And with that, I will introduce our moderator, Mary Helmers, who will then introduce Matt and Carl. Mary is the Pediatric CF Nurse Coordinator at the Stanford CF Clinic. Mary has been caring for CF patients for over 30 years, including both children and adults. Mary was far ahead of the curve when it came to discussing fertility options for her patient with her patients. And we are so delighted to have Mary take us through the discussion. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Siri. And thank you, CFRI, for asking me to moderate and speak today on the path to parenthood. So today you're going to hear three different stories about um, people's path and patients' path to parenthood. Um, for some of you, my story is going to probably either shock you or you've heard a little bit about it or um, surprise you. So my path to parenthood um, for CF started back in 1990. Um, my husband and I got married and we wanted to have kids, but we were not having children and decided um, to further seek advice from my OBGYN. Needless to say, after a long story, we found out going through fertility things that my husband had absence of the vas deferens, but we still did not connect the dots to that he had CF, a very mild mutation but he is a homozygote for R117H, and it did affect us in the path of trying to have children. Um, in this picture, you see uh, myself, my husband, and our two boys. Um, after going through uh, actually nine tries of fertility treatments, um, our oldest son, Matt, was born on his due date in 1994, and John, our youngest son, um, was born in July of 1997. So now just turned 26, the youngest one, and just turned 29. We were at a fertility clinic in Los Angeles, and a Italian physician was doing testing on all the men who were in the fertility clinic and saying that he had found a correlation with some carriers and some very mild mutations of these men having cystic fibrosis and have we ever heard of it? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, yes, I'm the coordinator for cystic fibrosis. So it had already been kind of a running joke in our household that um, Tom may have had CF, although at that time, what we knew about CF was definitely not what we know now. Uh, he had very salty sweat. He coughed a lot, but he was 6'2", overweight, not too badly overweight, but definitely pancreatic sufficient. So how could he have CF? 
But in the back of my mind, it kept just drilling me like, I swear if I didn't know better, you had CF. Well, he did. Um, but again, a different way. It was manifested. Um, so again, after several tries and one out of the country, our older son was, um, uh, we went through procedures in Belgium where they perfected and actually invented ICSI, um, one of the ways men with CF and the procedure MESA to have kids was uh, started. And then our youngest son was um, here in San Francisco. So we have our European-made child and our California-made child, and they both kind of actually have a little bit of both the European in them and the California side. Um, we feel that we are very fortunate. And from that, I realized that it was my mission now, when especially when I did adults, was to help let men with CF know that, yes, you can have your own children. You're not sterile, which what the literature said years ago, um, you're infertile. And if these options are there for them, if they can do it and if they want to do it, um, because those options were actually not given to us. We were told, no, you're going to just have uh, adopt a child or use donor sperm. Um, I then went on, when I switched back to pediatrics, we do a lot of education with newborn screen families, families who have a new baby with CF that may want to try fertility measures to have a child that doesn't have CF. Um, so I realized that there was a calling for me to be in CF already. And now my calling had even more purpose because I had information for people who wanted to have a path to parenthood. Um, so that's my little story on how I got connected um, in parenting um, path for CF. I'm going to now introduce Matt Dafina. Matt is a 45-year-old living with CF. He earned a bachelor's of science degree and a master's degree in business administration, and he owns and operates a successful winery in Napa Valley and works full-time as a joint replacement representative for Stryker Orthopedics. Matt received two double lung transplants, one in 2012 and one in 2020. Matt and his wife, Denise, have been married for 20 years and have a beautiful 15-year-old daughter, Gracie, who is now a freshman in high school. Go ahead, Matt. Thank you so much, Mary, for that introduction. And uh, also thank you to Siri and everyone at CFRI once again uh, for hosting this panel and inviting me to be on it today. Um, it's always a pleasure to do public speaking. And, um, you know, I always uh, love speaking about myself. I am my favorite topic. So this will be a lot of fun, but I'm happy to, to share this journey. Um, you know, as, as with all patients with CF probably understand, the journey to just about anything is rarely a straight and narrow path. You know, that with cystic fibrosis loves to throw curveballs into your situations. And, um, and, and my path to parenthood uh, was certainly no different. Um, my story uh, starts back uh, when my wife and I um, first were married in 2003. Um, you know, we knew right away that we wanted to have children. And so not long after, uh, after we were married, we, we uh, were hooked up with UCSF and the fertility clinic there um, and met with the physicians to talk about our options for becoming parents. 
uh, we decided to go the IVF route and many of the things, Mary, that you mentioned, uh, the MESA procedure, ICSI, those types of things, those were all uh, things that we explored as well and went through that. Um, we went through uh, we went through three rounds of in vitro fertilization. The first round, the first time around, unfortunately, we produced no viable embryos. Um, obviously, we were very devastated by that. Um, you know, but we, you know, but we this was something that we felt was definitely going to be in the cards for us. So we wanted to give it another try. Um, and again, similar to your story, Mary, we learned something very interesting during our path. And uh, during during the situation with IVF, we also found out that my wife, Denise, is actually a carrier for CF. Um, again, that was not something that we previously knew. And so that that became something that we took into consideration as well. Um, the second time around, and uh, the second time around with IVF, we were able to get pregnant. Um, and about, about seven months into the pregnancy, uh, my wife went into emergency preterm labor. Um, we ended up having a baby girl, but unfortunately she only survived for about 10 minutes. We named her Madison Faith. She passed away because she had a very, very rare chromosomal abnormality, something called hydrops fatalis, as well as a very large cystic hygroma uh, on her brain. Um, we learned that these are things that were completely unrelated to cystic fibrosis. They were completely unrelated to the IVF process. Um, it was just something that was like a one in a million, extremely rare, uh, rare chance that that would happen. Um, but unfortunately it did happen. And our baby girl only lived for about 10 minutes, like I said. And so of course we, um, we were extremely sad and mourned her loss for quite a while. Um, but we did still have some, some embryos from that remaining uh, IVF procedure. And so a few months down the road, we decided to try it again one more time. Um, the third time around, once again, uh, we, or we went through the whole IVF process again. And the third time around, um, it, we didn't produce any viable embryos either. So uh, after that third time around, we started to think, you know what, maybe, maybe God's trying to tell us something here. Maybe going through the IVF process is not the path that we should be going down. And so at that point in time, uh, we started to look into adoption. And so there were, as you know, there are many different uh, routes you can take uh, in, in the path to adoption. And we, we went to an adoption agency in Fresno, which is where we lived. Um, and uh, this was uh, an agency where you basically do adoptions through the state of California. And so uh, long story short, we, at a few months into it, we found out about um, a beautiful baby girl that was born on January 2nd, uh, 2008. And she was down in San Bernardino. And our social worker asked us if we wanted to throw our name in the hat for this, which of course we did. Um, you know, and through this whole process, uh, it's a little bit, I like to joke around and say it's a little bit like creating a match.com profile because <laughs> you create a profile of yourself, you know, both the husband and wife, you know, talk about all the things that 
that you like to do. Uh, and of course, you have to also disclose any any um, health concerns that you have. So, of course, on paper, uh, you know, I had to list that I there was a cystic fibrosis patient. Um, my wife also has uh, an interesting health issue, and that is um, a deformity of her left arm, which she was she was born without her left arm from the elbow down. And that was something that, uh, that she had mentioned as well. So on paper, we're thinking, wow, we look like a great catch. You know, mm-hmm. my wife is missing an arm. I've got this horrible lung disease who in their right mind is going to want to give us their child. And so we weren't too optimistic about it, but, um, you know, that was just the way it went. And so that's what, uh, that's what our profile looked like. And then about two weeks after we had submitted our profile to our social worker, we got a call and said, guess what? The birth mother picked you guys. You're going to be parents. And we were elated. We were absolutely overjoyed. We couldn't believe it. Um, we drove down to San Bernardino to pick up our child. Um, once what you're looking at right there is the very first picture uh, that I ever took with my baby girl. And we named her Gracie, by the way. And so um, we had to meet with the birth mother and and have some conversations with her. And, and, and uh, you know, we wanted to, to ask her some questions. She, of course, wanted to ask us some questions. Um, one of the things that she told us in our meeting was the reason that she told that she picked us was because she noticed my wife's arm. And one of the things we first noticed when we met her was that she was missing two fingers in her left arm. And she also had a very, um, a very profound injury to her forearm. Um, what had ended up happening was that one night uh, at a party, she had passed out. And while she was passed out, she was bitten by a brown recluse spider. And the venom from the spider, which is very neurotoxic, had just eaten away at the tissue of her forearm which caused, um, you know, this, this very gross injury all the way to the bone, the, all the muscle was completely missing. And as a result of that, also her fingers were also missing. They had to amputate two of her fingers. So because she had this, you know, this, this very, um, profound injury to her left arm and she noticed Denise's left arm, she just felt this instant connection with Denise. And so, um, it's just really interesting to us because in hindsight, the one one of the things that we thought was going to work against us was actually the reason why we were chosen to be parents. And so again, we were absolutely overjoyed that we were that we were chosen to be Gracie's parents. Uh, Gracie's now a sophomore in high school. She's had an amazing young life. She's a varsity volleyball player. She has a four point three GPA and in high school and um, just does all sorts of things, has a very large group of friends and is just an amazing young lady. And I can't, I cannot overstate how much joy she has brought to our life. Um, And so becoming a parent uh, has just been an absolutely amazing experience. Um, And, uh, and that's pretty much the, the path to our, that's our path to parenthood in a nutshell. So Thank you, Matt, for your story. Carl will be next. Carl Robinson is a father of two girls. Just turned 46. 
Oh, you're 46 now. Oh, I was going to say 45. You should have let me say 45. <laughs> 46-year-old living with CF. He's been working in technology for over three decades and manages multiple people around the globe. Carl is the father of two daughters, as you see on this uh, picture here, little feisty daughters, age six and 20 months. Um, when he's not working, he is tending to his beehives, doing home improvement projects, having fun with his family, and helping his mom, Ann Robinson, age gracefully. Go ahead, Carl. No, no, thank you, Mary. No, I mean, just to repeat what Matt said, I mean, when you make that decision to go to become a father and become, um, you know, a mother, a father, the curveballs, the avenues, the, the the different support structures you may have to engage is just immense. You know, with the medical team saying, "Yeah, you're you're healthy enough to have a have a child." To, oh well, this might you know modify your hormones this way. That might have modified. The, you know, really the 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 community around you really does help you with that process and guiding through uh, all the the hurdles that you may have to fly over. I mean, the story with uh, my wife and I wanting to become parents, we knew right off the bat, we did want to have a family. We're both family oriented people. Uh, we went through the IVF po uh, you know, process at Stanford um, and uh, Stanford Children's. And we were super lucky to come out with one round with two very viable embryos. Um, we all, you know, I, everyone goes, ah, we're going to have tens of dozens. We're going to be octa parents. No, it really is an individual, uh, basis of how you go about the process, how, what your partner's health and everything. But we got two amazing em embryos and we, um, love that process that they had, uh, at Stanford and their methodology. And so each center is going to be slightly different. And really has to be tailored to your exact needs. Once again, the health, the healthcare staff around you, the support staff, the family support, and everything. We never got anyone saying, "Oh no, you shouldn't become a parent." Oh no, we never got discouraged at any process, any point in the process. Um, and first one, we we took the uh, the grade A plus embryo off the top of the uh, pile, and and. We had uh, Everly. Um, she came in nice and healthy, sweetest baby you could you could have, sleeping through the night at seven at seven um, at uh, seven weeks almost. I think seven weeks. Uh, I really slept great. Was was just absolute angel. Um, great facial expressions. Bald like her dad, <laughs> and just a. Uh, total pleasure to be around and having that support staff, that family around is also extremely important when you become a parent or the, you lean on them, you lean on your parents, you lean on your friends that are parents, you lean on anybody who um, has gone through that process and not to be judgy, but you just, you don't understand until you go through it, <laughs> what people actually go through and having some, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Did that happen to you yet? No, no, it hasn't. Oh, it's going to happen. You know, it really, that whole parenting of children and raising children is, takes a village and it takes the PTA, 
the school, the teachers, your daycare, you know, whoever you may engage is just amazing. And we, um, you know, a lot of moves and whatnot, and did a big move in between there. And we decided to have another one, our, uh, our other embryo that was um, normal and uh, growing and uh, was put in the stasis for uh, four and a half years. And so that embryo was implanted and we got our, our, our second child, uh, Josie, who is very different from our first, <laughs> you know, comes out with a full head of hair. What? When is that going to happen? Really lively, really a big baby coming in, really, you know, different fussiness, different everything in every way, um, you know, and watching her grow especially with covid-19 and not having to go into a uh, to a a um a uh, office every day you really do see them grow up and i can see how my mother and other people who have that opportunity to stay home to watch their children grow they're very lucky but i think i'm lucky cuz i get to work still but also be home and help out uh raise these crazy these crazy girls and keep them relieve my wife for at least at least 15 minutes so she get 15 minutes of silence to herself uh given times and really the 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 whole process of from um you know conception all the way until now I have these two children I don't think I could have done it without you know or combi some deco or trikafta those have been amazing drugs to really streamline my health to be way more stable. Um, I, I consider myself a stable C, uh, person with CF even before those modifiers, but then that modifier really brought out um, a lot of the stabilization that I think is needed with parenting. And if, if you do have CF and you're not a stable person, um, it can you can still do it. It's just a lot more challenging. You probably need a bigger support um, structure around you. Um, but would I repeat it? Absolutely. Um, I probably would have had my children 10 years earlier. <laughs> so I wouldn't be 46 with uh, with a 20, now she's 21 months old, uh, running around. Uh, but I wouldn't change it. I would definitely, you know, go through the whole process all over again to um, have another round of IVF and see if we want to roll the dice and uh, have that. Um you know, the, the expense, since we had to pay for it fully, uh, a lot of IVF treatments are not covered by insurance. Um, so that was probably the biggest challenge that we had. Uh, but we had good support. We had some money saved up to help us that way uh, to get through that. Um, and uh, uh, But nothing is nothing astronomical that can't be... Um, defeated. Um, I know I found out at the conference that Boomer Esiason um, has a fund to help offset the cost for IVF. So I thought, thank you, Siri. I mean, that was great information when you told me that. I says, that's awesome. Because a lot of this is kind of, we're given these curses and gifts with having CF and having, you know, these uh, unique visions of views on life. And that's just one less 
burden. It takes the sting out of the burden of becoming a parent and becoming, you know, building a family. So that really was an amazing thing to hear. Um, Cause you know, not everyone, you know, becoming a parent is a choice. Sometimes it's easy choices. Sometimes it's difficult choices, depending on your situation. But when you, you, you do know, ah, oh, yes, I can be a good parent. Yes. I have a great support group. Yes. My partner is awesome. Um, and you want to dive into that arena great. There's even more support staff out there to help you with some of these hurdles that you need to go over uh, to get to get to your end goal. So, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed at Matt's journey. I think, you know, I have in my family, I have people that went to adoption straight to adoption. I have some people that went straight to the IVF and everything else. There's, there's kids, there's a love to give and love to receive out there. So that's something that, is the most rewarding thing of all this journey is just seeing a smile, a giggle um, is just, it moves me uh, more than really anything is that kind of uh, that feeling I get. So yeah. Thank you, Siri. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Mary. Uh, thank you, Lucy, for not, uh, for uh, sharing our experiences during the conference. And it's just, it's an amazing feel. Amazing feeling. Thank you. That was an amazing story you just said. Have either of you had um, <clears throat> have either of you had any discouragement? Well, you said you weren't discouraged. Nobody ever discouraged you in following this path or um, told you maybe you know your life expectancy may not be long. So, are you sure you want to do this? Did you have any challenges? in making this decision or people along the way to discourage you? Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Carl. I'll take that one first. You know, um, back when I was a child, you know, and growing up in the eighties, obviously there was not nearly as much known about cystic fibrosis as there is today. Um, And I did encounter a few people here and there, not in the medical field, but others who thought they knew things about cystic fibrosis, but, but really didn't know the whole picture, um, that sort of made some remarks to me about how I'd never be a father, you know, or, or how, or even how I would live long enough to be a father. Um, and, and again, you know, in the, in the sixties and seventies, obviously this was a, a disease where unfortunately most people didn't live past childhood. Um, and so, so that was true in some, in, in, in some, in some ways, but, um, you know, I was, I was very fortunate to be raised by two parents who were extremely and incredibly dedicated to my health. And so even though my initial prognosis was that I personally would not live to be four years old, um, Obviously, I've beaten that prognosis because I am alive and well today. I'm not a ghost that is speaking here on this Zoom. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I've beaten the odds in, in many ways. And, you know, I knew from a young age that I did want to be a parent. Um, you know, the legacy that you can leave behind, the values and everything that you can teach to children. Um, that was That was always something that I wanted to do. And, you know, whether, whether my wife and I became parents through IVF or adoption, 
that didn't matter to us, you know, and I can, I can tell you that when you adopt a child, um, you know, it, it doesn't feel like adoption. And that was one of the ways that um, when, when we went through the process, you know, something, something very interesting happened the very first time that I held Gracie in my arms, you know, there was that one picture that, that you showed a few minutes ago, that was the very first picture uh, that was ever taken of, of me holding Gracie. And in that exact moment where I was holding her and looking down at her and she was looking at me, I just had this overwhelming feeling and sense that came over me that she was meant for us, that we were meant to be her parents. And, and of course, just like any parent, you know, when you're about to become a parent, you know, there's a lot of anxiety that goes into it. There are, you know, you worry about things, you're, you're excited and you're, it's kind of like you're excited and scared at the same time. And of course, Denise and I experienced that as well. But as soon as we held Gracie, there was this just overwhelming sense of calm and peace oh. that came over us. And it was like, we just knew that this was going to be okay. And you know, it didn't matter that I had this disease. We knew it was going to be okay. We knew Gracie was going to be okay. And we knew that we were going to be okay as parents. And, and that's how it's been. It has been a lot better than okay. It's been amazing. And like Carl mentioned, you know, being on Trikafta as well has been certainly helpful. Um, I've only been on Trikafta for about three years as a post-transplant patient. Um, but even since, you know, my health has gotten a lot better, which has translated to me being able to be a better dad and a better husband, you know, I've been able to be extremely involved, um, through all of Gracie's life, um, in virtually everything, you know, despite my jobs that I had, despite owning a company, um, you know, ever since she's been in school, I've been involved with her schools, I've coached her in sports. We've, we've been involved in all of her activities. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's been an amazing experience. And, and I love that because, you know, going back to your original question, Mary, you know, there were naysayers along the way and people who said, no, you, you probably shouldn't be a parent because being a parent is stressful and a person with CF absolutely doesn't need that extra stress in your life. Plus, there's a good chance you're going to die young. So why would you want to bring a child into this world and, and then leave them without a father? Well, first of all, with Trikafta, as well as many other um, advances in technology, that's not really a good argument anymore, because mm -hmm. there is such a great chance and opportunity that people with CF are going to live to be so much older now. Um, you know, and, and, and I know for myself, for Carl, for many others, you know, we've beaten the odds and we've shown through our own examples that, uh, that you can be parents, you can be a great parent, you know, it's, it's not as stressful as, as a lot of people would like to say. Um, you know, and when you have the right partner alongside you, it makes it that much easier. So, um, you know, my wife has has been a tremendous support to me in, in so many things. Uh, our Both of our parents, her parents, my parents uh, were an extremely 
uh, helpful support system when we were young parents and and when we were going through the IVF process. Um, but uh, you know, but it's just another way that that we've beaten the odds that we have proven to the world that you know statistics are not always correct. Science is not <laughs> always correct. You know, it's again when I was when I was a baby, I was you know, medical doctors told my mom and dad that I wouldn't live to be four years old, you know, and then there were people that said he'll never, he'll never graduate from high school. There were people that said he'll never play sports. He'll never be active. He'll never become a father one day. He's not going to have a good quality of life. Well, guess what? Every single one of those things is absolutely wrong. Um, you know, and so as much as I respect and love the medical community and, and as much respect as I have for doctors everywhere, uh, they're not always right, <laughs> you know, at least not in the seventies and eighties. So, you know, um, data, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, uh, we definitely, you know, we had our naysayers, but I'm extremely happy that we beat the odds and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that we were able to become parents to this beautiful girl. Yeah, no, I mean, very similar boat. I mean, there's a few people that, you know, when growing up, you like said, you know, medical uh medical advancements really have changed and i'm glad i bucked the trend when i was born and life expectancy was in the single digits um i know uh, my mom really made sure that i would meet older cf adults um to see you you're not there's older people that have cf right now they may be in varying degree of health um you know, but she said, you know, you can have a life beyond your teenage years or your, you know, you can, you can definitely do this. And even when I decided I wanted to be a parent, you know, most of those objections were dropped. Um, and uh, the stress, you know, people also talk about, oh man, it's so stressful being a parent and this and that. And same thing when you mentioned about holding Gracie for the first time. I remember walking up to Everly when she was on the 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 incubator slash way slash you know triage station and just walking right up to her and she was crying and I instinctively put my my finger in uh opposite you know to to have her suck on my my finger and I said hello there Miss Ebbs and I, that's the first time I ever said anything to her I made a nickname for her immediately, you know, and that feeling of, yeah, things are going to be fine. This is a, she's out. She looks healthy. Uh, well, if there's anything that pops up, I'm prepared for that. <laughs> I'm a professional patient. I know how to prepare for that. So there's really a lot of um, uh, positive energy on one side, the pros, the negatives. Yeah, they're there. Financial drain. I don't get to sleep in anymore. Uh, you know, there's there's all these things that. But I'm like, but that's any any anything going on. If you have, uh, you know, life and you, you can't slack. You you know, but you know that's also giving that love to somebody else. Um, really outweighs the cons, discouragement that maybe I've ever received is. Yeah, no, but I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be that really kicks the butt out of naysayers. Um, 
you know, so I like I would repeat it. I would just repeat the same process uh, to be be a parent. Um, it's yeah. Now yeah. I hear you. It's obviously my story is different because I don't have CF, and obviously Tom has CF, but in a you know yes he has had bronchitis and mild yeah, respiratory yeah. infections, but much differently pronounced because yeah. we didn't realize all these mutations were out there 32 years ago. Um, but it still affected us in the way of, you know, I wanted four kids, we wanted a big family and we were very fortunate to have two. And, and I, I took it as, um, people never discouraged us. They asked, why did you do it? I mean, we tried nine times, went through out of the country, tried here, you know, there was a doctor at Stanford that said we would never have our own kids. And I think I was more stubborn in anything saying, yes, we will. <laughs> and I wanted to prove all those naysayers about who called men with CF sterile, because that really bothered me, even from day one, when I first learned about CF, thinking, why is this isn't true? Even back then, we knew that they weren't sterile, they were infertile. And I think that became my mission to help you guys and even in female infertility in women um, with CF or, or not so much infertile, but less chances of getting pregnant, that that was now going to be my mission to help all these patients that I'm taking care of to know that, you know, there are ways out there to, to have your own children, um, not to slight what we went through, because it, it was a change for us. It was something different, not the same, obviously, yeah. but CF oddly enough, affected our lives too, in a different way. And actually, um, even Tom's um, family members, he has a niece who actually is a, a Delta F508 R017. So she has CF too. It's just, it's just amazing. And you didn't know this back then. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. When I first started here back in 85, you know, the life expectancy was under 20. I think it was like around 18 years of age and now it's 51. And so what I saw and when we found out it was so different, like this can't be, how could this be? But there's a whole nother world that we yeah. just know about. And, yeah. and the foundation and the, and the world and CFRI, nobody knew about this other world of fertility where men like Tom had these milder mutations yeah. or were carriers and still didn't have a vast deference. Um, so a different way of being affected, but it still did affect us as well. Yeah. If if there's a will, there's a way, you know, and, exactly. and I, lo I love, I love what you said too, about the infertility versus being sterile. Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, my, yeah. my IVF doctor at UCSF told me that I had enough sperm to populate China. So um, I, I no. boast about that. I, I have that on my resume. So and my children don't really look like me either. Go figure. Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and to that point, what's interesting in my situation is I, I cannot tell you how many people have told both Denise and I that Gracie looks oh, exactly she looks like looks just us. like right. you. She does. Yeah. But that's and how it is in the adoption world. I have many friends right. who adopted and they look just like them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, I think it all comes down to just the love we can give and the love that we can receive. And mannerisms, you know, are not genetic. Mannerisms are also, also very much learned. Mm -hmm. The same thing with a lot of, you know, um, of our, our nation's problems and goodness are all just something that we teach and learn out of the womb. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the genetic testing, 
exploded in the early 90s. I mean, exploded. Mm -hmm. And my mother, and we all can advocate this, the sooner you know about something, the more you can affect it in a positive way. So even fighting for the genetic testing at birth, fighting for, you know, X, Y, Z, the more you know, the more you can grab tools to fortify or fix or alter. And um, I mean, there's, there's CFers. I know they're in their eighties, you know, and I'm uh, 46 saying, so, you know, it's a high life. And is around, you know, mid fifties. I'm like, I have to worry about statins. I have to worry <laughs> about my blood pressure. I got to worry about all this. What? You know, it, you know, it, it just wasn't in our vocabulary. And now with kids, now I'm worrying about the PTA. Now I'm worrying about that. Now I'm worried about sports. What about this one? Dance class. But, you know, it, it's, it, it's, that's, that's normal parenting stress. Okay. And when you have that normal stress, the CF, you have your support system. You've been working on it before you become, a, you're not a got parent at age two. You're a parent, you know, hopefully at a good age, <laughs> not, not a teenager, but you have all this care team and you have this routine together that you can really take care of yourself. And then when you go to the parenting, you know, I just flip the switch back and forth between the two. And maybe some people can't handle that, but I know that getting tools, getting mental health to help you deal with the stress, getting mental help to help you with those stressors that people say, oh, you can't do that. When you get those tools, you can do anything. I mean, frankly, I think the only thing I can't do is maybe be an astronaut. <laughs> That'll be a little hard because you have to be perfect health to get up there. So there's some things I know I'll never be, maybe a fireman, maybe, you know, there's certain things, but you know what? There's tools in your tool belt that can help you with anything in your life. And watching a webinar about parenting, becoming a parent, watching how uh, a webinar maybe to ha how to deal with stress or how to deal with mental health gives you tools in your tool belt to be able to do whatever it bleep you want to do. Exactly. And that, that strength, that resolve, that um, desire to be a parent was high with my partner and myself. I wish I'd met my partner 10 years younger <laughs> it's just to be younger to have children, but I wouldn't still, like I said, I would repeat, um, you know, and occasionally she'll ask me, Hey, do you want to have another kid? I'm like, no, <laughs> I know we're done. Uh, but we definitely, um, enjoy everything, everything at the journey that we had. And it just, it made me more what I am today. So. So what about telling, um, Matt, well, I mean, Gracie, about how you had CF. I know with my boys, because they're definitely carriers since Tom, and actually we got very lucky because when in 1990, when we were trying to have children, the panel and the genetics for CF, there wasn't over 2000 mutations known at the time. I think my panel done on me was only like 48 or 52. So we really got lucky. Um, but the boys are carriers and they know that. And um, one, our youngest son's actually engaged. So his wife to be, will get the full screening, obviously. Um, but they even went on telling people my, both boys went to Bellarmine and one of their teachers, cause they learned about CF and biology said, 
he told him his dad had CF and he laughed at him. Like, what did he say to you? Like, I was all mad. Like, you tell him to talk to me. You're, I mean, obviously not in the same way, but he tried to explain like he was frozen on a few for a few months because he was a frozen embryo and this, that, and the other. And they looked at him like, I think you're lying. I'm like, you're not lying. You go back and you, he goes, you're not going to talk to him. I said, no, I'm not, but I will if you want me to. But what is your daughter? Does she talk about it with her friends? What does she think about? you know, her dad, I mean, you've had two double lung transplants. Um, yep. How does she deal with that? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question, Mary. Um, you know, one of our philosophies as parents from day one has been to be completely honest and transparent about everything in our life. Um, mm -hmm. You know, from, from day one, we've been talking to Gracie about, um, about her situation, how she was adopted. We never, we never hid anything from her, uh, including, you know, the health situation that I was facing, you know, she at a very young age, I don't know if she remembers a whole lot from my first transplant that occurred in 2012. She was around three years old when that happened. Um, but she was there the whole time, you know, and there's, there's pictures on my Facebook page that you can see, uh, of that whole transplant experience. And, you know, there's pictures of, of Gracie coming into my room dressed as a doctor, you know, wearing scrubs and a surgical hat and, um, just being her super cute self. And, uh, you know, and so she, she knew about that. We educated her on it. We talked about it. And as she became older, we would divulge, you know, a little more details, you know, things to try and make, talk about it in ways to help her understand. Yeah. And, you know, she's 15 years old and, and she, she knows everything about CF. She knows it's a fatal disease, but she, you know, she's also been there through both of my transplant experiences. You know, she's, she was right there at my bedside when I was, you know, intubated and, you know, waiting to, to wake up from the anesthesia, you know, she and my wife, you know, and, and she's been right there uh, you know, listening to some of the conversations that we've had with, with doctors and nurses about my condition or, you know, about the transplant and everything. Um, and one thing I will say is I think that, I think that my life and the things that I have gone through and with her being right there with us the whole, the whole way through, I think it has resulted in her being an extremely mature young lady for her age. Um, and she's also incredibly intelligent when it comes to a lot of medical things. Um, and that's, in fact, a, an interest of hers when she gets older is to potentially become a psychologist or a nurse or maybe even a doctor. Um, she has lots of time before she makes those decisions. But um, but uh, but yes, she has she's she's been there the whole way. And um, and we've been very open and honest with her about everything. Um, and I would encourage anybody in, that's going through this right now or that has little ones um, to, to, to be open and honest about things. Um, you know, it just makes the conversations easier as you get older. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like all of a sudden one day when she's 10 or 12 or 13 years old, you just kind of drop this bombshell on them. Like, like yeah, dad, dad's got this fatal, this fatal disease, you know, and then, you know, I, I, I just see that as, is not a great, great conversation to have. So, um, so yeah, you know, they, 
she's actually taking, she's in honors biology this year as a sophomore. And so I'm sure at some point when they start discussing genetics, that will uh, be a topic of conversation uh, and she'll probably be able to teach her teacher. Uh, about, <laughs> yeah, um, nice. You know, but even, but even when uh, she was in fifth grade, um, no, I'm sorry, sixth grade, uh, her sixth grade teacher did a whole unit on lung health when they were talking about when they were going through human anatomy and, um, and her teacher knew about my situation and shows she invited me to come and be a guest speaker in their classroom. Um, and she's invited me to come back every single year to talk to her sixth grade class about cystic fibrosis and transplantation um, when they're studying that part of the human body. And that's been a lot of fun. So, um, so I've been involved in, in her classes with all of that. Her teachers obviously know and, um, and, uh, and it's, it's worked out for the best. Thank you, Matt. So as we wrap up our webinar, um, I want each of us, I'll have you go first, Matt, to give one thing of what you'd want to tell somebody um, if they were contemplating this path to parenthood. Um, anybody out there, what would you say to them? Well, I, I, I think I speak for Carl as well when I would, I, I would absolutely say go for it. You know, don't hold back. You know, there's, there are so many ways that that you can become parents now, whether it's through IVF or through adoption, um, you know, and, and with the with the advancements that we have in medical technology, even if you have a, a condition like CF, um, you know, I, I think you should do it. You know, it's being a parent has absolutely brought me the most joy in my entire life, you know, more than I could have ever imagined. Um, you know, it's, it's really given my life purpose. I feel like everything happens for a reason, you know, and there were people in my past who, you know, after, after Madison passed away, you know, during that second round of in vitro, there were, there were people who thought, you know, you guys should probably just throw in the towel right now and not, not, um, not proceed in, in trying to become parents. And, yet we didn't give up, you know, we, like I said, we did try one more round of in vitro, but when that didn't work, we decided to go through adoption. And again, everything happens for a reason. You know, if we had not gone through those failed IVF situations, Gracie would have never come into our lives and becoming a parent through adoption to Gracie again, has just been one of the most rewarding um, and fulfilling you know, uh, experiences of my, of my entire life. And I know that my wife feels that same way. Um, you know, I just, I can't overstate that enough. So no matter how you come to it, it doesn't matter if, if you know, I, I like to say biology doesn't matter just because she's adopted. She doesn't feel adopted. She feels like she's meant to be with us and we, and uh, it feels like we are meant to be for, there for her, um, you know, and, and, you know, and that I think that pretty well sums up, you know, how how we are as parents and, and our whole situation. Thank you, Matt. Carl? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I would jump right on head in. Unless you want to have an inner child that comes out to be a toddler, you get to re-experience everything when it's the first time for somebody else. That's amazing. That's like 
that is like an addictive drug seeing a toddler seeing a young one you know just open up and go wow that's amazing and of course my memories of uh, hanging out with my dad you know same thing we're we're not going to live past 20 we're not you know he made a point to go camping with me he made a point to make sure that i had a normal life or as normal as possible to experience life at the fullest and you know part of me says that's also becoming a parent now i'm like I said, there's normal people out there that don't want to hate kids. Yeah. So that's fine. You know, if you don't like kids and you have CF, you shouldn't be listening to this webinar. But if you do yeah. like kids and like to be around the laughter and the the explosive sponge-like apparatuses, their brains, there's nothing like walking in a room and hearing a three-year-old three-year-old swear. It's like that lightens your life. It's like, wow. They picked that up somewhere. Hopefully it wasn't me, but, you know, but it, that, that is just an absolute uh, joy. And I would recommend anyone seriously consider it. It shouldn't be too much too hard. If it's too hard to make that decision, then maybe you shouldn't be. But if it, if it is a think you have to think about it, don't go lightly into this. You don't do lightly at anything. Um, but the rewards are there, the joy in someone else's eyes, the passing down of knowledge, faith, um, spirituality, uh, mannerisms to another generation to then backfill the harassment up the food chain to your, to your, you know, it's that whole vicious cycle of, of parenting and that we need to continue that that process here on earth for humanity's sake uh it, it's just it's something that i knew a long time ago that i wanted to do and definitely it reinforces every time kids are a freaking amazing <laughs> kids are a pain in the ass but they are they are the most frustrating thing in the world but they're also the most rewarding thing in the in the world and um maybe parents only understand that but if you get a glimpse of that, you know, being an auntie, being an uncle, um, you know, you you maybe can get your hit, your endorphins off of that. Uh, but it, it's just something that I would recommend to anybody to do. Um, it's a it is a commitment, a life commitment to be a parent, and it's something that I definitely sign up for and. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna smile all the way into the end until it is my time. I'm gonna be smiling every day because uh, they just crack me up, kids. So thank you, Carl. Thank you. I would have to echo everything both of you said. Um, my biggest thing was don't let anybody ever tell you you can't do something if you want something bad enough to be a parent, no matter how that comes into play. Um, stick with it. I think my biggest thing from all of this for me as the nurse coordinator in CF and as I'm winding down, retiring in a month, I am so thankful, even though I wanted this big family, that this did happen to us because it helped me help patients. I 
helped a lot of patients get that path to parenthood. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful yeah, that great. they got to have that path. And that has made me feel fulfilled. And like, I, I was meant to be this, I was meant to be in this situation to help others. So I'm very happy for that. Yeah. You have a very large family, Mary. I know I do. I very do. large. You really do. <laughs> I do. No, you're right. I do. My I'm CFP. included. I'm included in that, that family. Yes, you are. So, I mean, the community and like even talking to Matt, talking to you, Siri, I mean, the community is huge and that's one of my villages um, and just, it brings me joy. I'm not going to throw it out. I'm not going to put it on the sale pile. That brings me joy. Mm-hmm. Being a parent, being part of a community, watching something grow. <laughs> it's frightening and also exciting at the same time.